1: Welcome
0: to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio, and I love all things tech. And it's Friday. That means it's time for a Tech Stuff classic episode. This particular episode published originally on May 22nd, 2013. It is called Printing a Gun. And it's pretty much what it sounds like, using 3D printers to use additive manufacturing to produce firearms. Lauren Vogelbaum and I sat down to talk about this one because it was a brand new, fresh topic, and it's one that remains relevant today. So enjoy this classic episode.
2: Jonathan and Chris did an episode on 3D printing way back in uh, 2009.
0: Yeah, that was uh, shortly after printing itself was invented. Um, before that, we just communicated by banging rocks together.
2: No one was alive then. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, there was no no life. We were alive. But anyway, no, 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 no. We did a, an episode on 3D printing back in 2009, which was funny because at that point, I had never actually seen one in person. Oh,
2: wow. Now, I, now we have one in the office. We have one
0: in the office now. Yeah, we actually have a 3D printer here that's very, very tiny. Yes. Can, we can only print small stuff with it but it's Little awesome green
2: things yeah, yeah
0: mostly green because we haven't changed out the plastic but uh, what 3d printers do they print stuff in three dimensions and they it's,
2: it's called additive manufacturing
0: yes and it's this is different from subtractive manufacturing subtractive would be where you take a hunk of stuff and carve away all the stuff you don't want it's to, michelangelo's
2: david exactly
0: yeah, yeah you're, you're you cut away everything that doesn't look like david Right. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's the sculpt sculpting point of view. You, you, you know, to, to sculpt an elephant, you cut all the stuff away that doesn't look like an elephant. Uh, but that's very wasteful. It means that all that material you cut away, you potentially waste.
2: By using additive manufacturing, you're printing a material in most cases, in consumer cases, at any rate, plastics in yeah. very thin layers uh, in, in, in a predetermined design.
0: Exactly. And these layers can be uh, a micron thick. Or thinner, if you've got very precise uh, 3D printing technology, and you do this layer by layer by layer until finally you have a full uh, object. And it's doing this with plastic and a binding agent so that the plastic uh, sticks together properly. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it would just fall apart and crumble in your hands. But um,
2: <laughs> not not so useful. Not no. so useful. It, uh, it
0: would but, be very but, pretty until you tried to pick it up.
2: Mm-hmm. But the but the finished product winds up being a single piece of of plastic in this case. Right. And, Right. It's pretty nifty. It,
0: yeah. And, and we've got other, there are other types of 3D printers out there that are not for consumers that can print in other materials. And we expect that in the future we're going to be able to do things like print in metal, even to the point where we can print circuit boards. Or um, human organs. Human organs using biological material. We can mm-hmm. print in maybe glass. Mm-hmm. Really anything that uh, would allow you to print using a liquid. Uh, it would, it would all be potentially possible right. using this method.
2: If you're interested in that, we uh, in our other show, Forward Thinking, we talked a little bit about that. So, uh, so, yeah. so look that one up if you want to.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. That was one of the earliest episodes. I had a lot of fun uh, talking about that. So, what's the big deal with 3D printing? Well, it's it's an incredibly disruptive technology, uh, and I don't necessarily mean that in a negative way, but it does mean that. 3D printers have the potential to really shake up the way the world works uh-huh. in many ways, like manufacturing and distribution in particular would be very much affected by 3D printers. If you get to the point where a 3D printer is within the uh, the purchasing range of your average computer user, mm-hmm. then that computer user can go out, buy a 3D printer, bring it home uh buy the materials you need to be able to build whatever and then you could start constructing stuff out of your home you could download plans from the internet and build things and those things could be furniture it could be toys it could be tools Uh and so that means that you've got these manufacturers out there who design and build stuff that suddenly have to worry about well is there going to even be a market for my stuff anymore? Right. Or do I do I change my business model? So instead of selling stuff, I start selling plans for stuff.
2: Right. You start worrying a lot more about the um, intellectual copyright of of the shape of a table,
0: which is kind of crazy, right? Yeah, Like you're no longer thinking I, I need to make sure no one shoplifts this thing. You're thinking I need to make sure no one builds a plan that allows them to to print the same as this thing. Right. So there are a lot of intellectual property concerns that come up because of 3D printing, and some of them are concerns that we never would have thought about before, like how do you copyright a table? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that's a thing now. So one of the other questions that came up pretty early on when 3D printers were starting to become... Uh, something that the general public was becoming aware of mm-hmm. was what happens when someone prints a weapon using one of these things.
2: And for a long time, a lot of people were going like, ow, that's years off. We don't need to worry about it.
0: Yeah, maybe back in 2009, Chris and I were saying that, but, uh, 2013, hey, we're years off now, and someone has done that.
2: Yeah, as of, as of, um, May 4th, 2013.
0: Yeah, uh, Star Wars Day.
2: Star Wars Day it was. What a, what yeah, a bummer.
0: <laughs> what a bummer. Yeah. Uh, That's a nice choice of words there, Lauren. I can see you like going through your list. What word am I going to use? Uh, Excellent choice. Uh, I agree. Uh, So we have a a fellow by the name of Cody Wilson, who uh, describes himself as a co-founder and uh, chief evangelist of a group called Defense Distributed. Very clever.
2: Yeah. uh, It's a nonprofit organization.
0: Yeah. And he he designed a gun uh, that could be created using a 3D printer and a common nail. nail, uh, from a hardware store. And the, the gun is, has 16 pieces total. One of those pieces being the nail. The other 15 are all printed by a 3D printer.
2: Uh, a consumer grade, uh, I think he got it for 8,000 bucks on eBay.
0: Yeah, it was the, uh, Stratasys Dimension SST 3D printer, which you could probably buy for around $10,000. He got it, uh, second hand for 8,000. And uh, we'll get more into the whole story of Stratasys and, and its involvement in this because it's an interesting part of the story, but we'll save that for a bit later. Uh, so he printed out these... 15 pieces, he got the nail to be the 16th piece. The nail acted as the firing pin. Now this is the part of a gun that strikes the primer on a cartridge so that it uh, ignites mm-hmm. and then the gases from the cartridge are what propel the bullet out of the barrel of the gun.
2: Now, it doesn't technically need to be metal, but um, but the kind of plastic that they use is just a little bit too soft to uh, to strike it without deforming.
0: Right. So essentially what would happen is the instead of uh, igniting the gas, the, the firing pin was just sort of bending so instead of using that he decided to use a nail uh and uh and putting it all together he wasn't even sure if it was going to hold together or not but he uh, assembled the gun using the pieces that he had designed um and he uh strapped it up to a a pole as i recall uh, an,
2: an aluminum uh, little
0: bit of scaffolding i think okay yeah. and uh and he tied a string to it and, and went, stood as far away as possible. Right, and used the string to pull the trigger, uh, and uh, had a successful test. It actually fired the the bullet, uh, and was and it remained intact. Um, that's one of the things that was a big concern was that if you have a gun that's essentially made out of plastic, would it be able to withstand the uh, the uh, forces that a gun experiences when you fire a bullet? And in the case of this one, it seemed to, to do that. And uh, he also eventually tested it by firing it by hand. Um, you know, it took some it took some uh, working up to to get to that point. Oh,
2: right, right, yeah. Dur- during the initial test, I believe they had a, a couple of successful firings, but um, but then it, it misfired um, due to a misalignment issue. And yeah, uh, yeah,
0: yeah. Now they they point out that the gun that, uh, as it's designed, you could actually remove the barrel and replace it with a new barrel. So, uh, if there were parts that were, that would break down, you could actually replace those parts just by printing out new ones. But the gun itself wouldn't last for more than a few shots. In fact, uh, one expert I saw said that in his opinion, if you were using the best kind of plastic possible, you might be able to get between 10 and 20 shots before it just was an unusable
2: uh, machine. Yeah, yeah. Although, yeah, it it is designed so that you can snap parts in and out. Right, right.
0: So you just replace the ones that are Mm -hmm. not working anymore, and then you could continue to fire. And it's supposed to be relatively quickly to switch those parts out, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, what Wilson also did was he ended up uploading the design to uh, Mega, which is Kim.com's file sharing. Uh, it's really like a locker service where you can store files. They're encrypted so that no one can see what it is that you are doing. Um, He uploaded that and made it freely available to anyone who wanted to get hold of this. Uh, Within two days, 10,000 people had downloaded it. And uh, as of the recording of this podcast, we're recording this on May 9th, 2013. Uh, Forbes reported this morning that it had been downloaded more than 100,000 times. Wow! Now, keep in mind... Not everyone who downloaded that has access to a three D printer.
2: Oh, right, I'm sure that a lot of that is curiosity. There has been so much buzz about it on the internet that I'm sure that a lot of people were just looking at it because they could.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there's a percentage of that that's just the press.
2: That <laughs> and too. Like, that we too. We need
0: to have access to this so we can take a look at it. Mm-hmm. But uh, and if you're curious about what kind of bullet it fired, it was a, a 38 caliber bullet, uh, and uh, he they. I've read that they've designed the gun in such a way that you could change out the chamber and barrel so that right. you could fire different caliber bullets depending upon which ones you were using but mm-hmm. 38 was what they used for their tests.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the, for their successful tests according to uh, Forbes Andy Greenberg who was on the scene for some of these tests and has a couple really great articles that we did draw on ex- uh, extensively for mm-hmm. for this podcast. Um they they'd the barrel out for a rifle cartridge that uh made the entire thing explode into shrapnel. Now, what was the name of this gun? They are calling it the Liberator. Yeah. This this might be something that history buffs recognize from World War II. Um, during World War II, the Allies, uh, specifically the United States, I believe.
0: Yeah, they manufactured these one-shot forty-fives. Mm-hmm. They were one-shot pistols, meaning that you could fire them once and then that's it. It's just not designed to shoot more than one time. And uh, the whole... The whole purpose of this was to drop these 45s behind enemy lines in occupied territories.
2: Occupied France, right. Uh, the
0: idea being that uh, that uh, the French population would suddenly have access to weapons, but you could only fire it once. It really wasn't a practical weapon. In fact, I don't think that the Allies ever considered it to be something that would allow a real uh, tide to turn. It was right. more of an attempt to demoralize the Axis powers rather than to... Actually foment some mm-hmm. form of revolution.
2: And propaganda was, was a really interesting technology that was used in World War II. Yeah.
0: So this is one of those examples of propaganda that don't, doesn't involve like a song or a poster or a movie. It was actually an act. And in this case, it was an act of distributing, uh, weapons of limited use <laughs> to uh, an occupied uh, country. And, um, from what I understand, it doesn't look like it doesn't look like all of them, or even most of them, were ever actually distributed. It was There's more, a little bit
2: con- of contention about whether or not they were, and yeah. to whom, and when, and how many. But and from what I understand,
0: most of them most of them were destroyed be- and,
2: without ever yeah, being used. So, yeah. Uh,
0: but anyway, uh, Wilson apparently wanted to uh, to take that name, and and uh, it kind of goes along with his philosophy. But uh, his philosophy is interesting. We will cover that in this episode, but I think we're going to save that for the end.
2: Yeah. Yeah. uh, It's, it's pretty, it's pretty dynamic.
0: It is dynamic. It's intense is what it is. So yeah, a hundred thousand folks around, or at least a hundred thousand people have downloaded these plans as of the recording of this podcast. By the time this publishes, I'm sure that number will be way bigger.
2: The way that Uh, that works. Yep.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you could have everyone just lose interest, but I don't think that's going to happen with this particular product. So, uh, that's, That's where the, the, the actual logistics are. That's, you know, what the, the state of the gun is. This gun, by the way, if you ever have, if you haven't seen a picture of it, it looks really clunky. It does. Uh, And it has to be, because that plastic has to be pretty thick to withstand the pressures. And we'll talk more about what those actually are in the, in the next, uh, section. But, um, it's not a sleek weapon by any means.
2: It is not. No, no. And I mean, you know, the kind of plastics that are, that are being used are, um, it's, it's ABS, which is acrylonitrile, butadiene, styrene. Um, it, it's a, it's a thermoplastic blend. It's used in lots of everyday items like, uh, like molded tool handles, electric shavers, Lego bricks are made of this stuff. So. Wow.
0: And we'll talk a little bit about why that causes a concern, you know, the, the materials used. But, uh, before we really get into the concerns and, And, you know, the the philosophy of of Cody Wilson and other elements and and the response that we've seen so far. And these are early days when we're recording this. Guys, we're going to take a quick break from this classic episode to thank our sponsors, but we'll be right back. Running a business is no cakewalk. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, getting back into the subject at hand, there are a lot of concerns that come up with this idea of being able to print a gun at home. Some of these you might think of as knee-jerk responses that, that don't take everything into account, but I think there are some concerns that are you can't just dismiss easily. One is that if you're talking about a plastic gun, let's say that a plastic gun is being used in a crime, uh, the concern is that you wouldn't really be able to trace that gun back. Uh, you know, guns right now have these grooves that are in the barrels, so that when you fire the bullet, it makes the bullet start to spin, uh, giving it more stability. But it also ends up carving uh, into the a bullet a specific pattern. Yeah, and so by looking at the pattern, you can identify depending on how what shape the bullet's in, you can identify the type of firearm that fired that bullet. Right. Uh, if you're talking about a smooth Barreled uh, plastic gun. There's no way of telling, and even if it had some sort of grooves in it, you could design those in such a way where it's unique to your gun, but without anyone being able to tell. But it could who be designed. It, it could be
2: literally unique to your gun. Yeah, no
0: one would know where to even start looking for that because right. if it's all just a file on your computer, how would how would anyone know unless they're already watching you? I'm not even going to get into that because I think that's what fuels the whole the whole <laughs> liberator thing. in the first place. Sure, but. The, uh, you know, that's, that's a concern, is that if it was used in a crime, it would be very difficult, if not impossible, to trace back. Uh, they're also undetectable, meaning that if you only have a tiny amount of metal in them, and you go through a metal detector, the metal detector may not...
2: It might not pick up that nail. Yeah, now, now, in, in this case, Cody Wilson was actually very careful about following, um, the, the letter, if not at all the spirit of the law, in the creation of this. He, um, uh, he took his company to the U.S. Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives in order to get a federal license to manufacture and distribute firearms and furthermore put a uh, a small metal cube, a completely non-functional six ounce metal cube into the gun to make it detectable by metal, metal detectors. detectors.
0: Right, because the U.S. Undetectable Firearms Act makes it illegal to manufacture any sort of undetectable weapon. Because this, this isn't the first time that a potentially undetectable weapon has been made. You, you of can course. There are guns that use ceramic. There are other plastic weapons as well that have used molded plastic as opposed to 3D printed plastic. But uh, that that was a big concern. So now he followed the The rules Wilson did his mm-hmm. his version of the gun in fact had that metal in it so it was not undetectable.
2: But here's but nothing saying that someone who downloads that would blueprint still would, would follow have the to, same mm-hmm. yeah
0: follow the same rules. If you download the blueprint and printed it out yourself, you could be you could just say well I'm not I'm not going to put this, the metal slug in there and therefore it is going to be virtually undetectable by a metal detector.
2: And uh, that, uh, however, we should mention that um that those 3D scanners that they've put in a lot of airports would pick the gun up. It would be able to recognize it on on your person. Right. Yeah.
0: But... So so it. it if if you're using a three D scanner, it's still going to pick these things up. If you are using just metal detectors, it wouldn't. So that that's raised some security concerns, obviously. Um and uh, you know, Wilson, I think he took some perverse joy in the fact that he was following the law while creating something that is potentially incredibly disruptive. And,
2: Absolutely. Uh, I, he's, uh, are, are, are we getting into Cody Wilson no, yet? No, no, not yet. But, okay. But
0: I, I think it's fair to say that okay. he, he he took some uh, pleasure in they that.
2: Did, they did install a a metal detector, a walk-through metal detector, in their workshop for testing to make sure
0: that, that, it, that it met those requirements. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so to get to other concerns uh, beyond the fact that you can't trace it uh, you can't uh, necessarily detect it. Um, another concern is there's there's no background check, right? If you download those plans, there's no control there about who gets access to that right. gun. So in the United States, con- convicts can't, you know, people who had been convicted of a felony, they can't buy a, a, a gun legally in the United States. I mean, they could buy it illegally, but you can't go through any legal means of buying it um that's what the whole background check thing is supposed to protect against uh, in the United States. So this bypasses it. If you are able, if you have the means or the access to a 3D printer and you have a criminal record and you otherwise could not legally buy a, a firearm, you could make one yourself this way. Right. And that's something that a lot of critics have pointed out, saying you have just uh, invalidated this whole part system. of the system. Right. Uh, Wilson, for his part not a big fan of gun control
2: that doesn't seem to be very concerned about that uh, so much so that uh, in march he released a video of um a, a 3d printable um ar-15 lower receiver which is the part that's regulated right. um, the rest of the parts you can purchase without without all that much trouble and um and that hypothetically could lock into these these other purchasable parts and uh and thus you know let, let again
0: bypass bypassing that, that whole problem mm-hmm. Uh, or what, at what he saw as a problem. Uh, other things that you have to keep in mind. Remember, we were talking about that plastic earlier, about how, how strong it was and the type of plastic used and the type of printer being used. Uh, Jonathan Rowley, who's a 3D printing expert, uh, said in The Guardian that, uh, you have to be really careful because not everyone out there has access to the same sort of three D printers or the same sort of raw materials being used. Right. And just because one printed gun was able to withstand the pressure and force that a uh, that this that the Liberator did in the initial tests, it doesn't mean that something that you print using a different kind of printer could do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be that the the material you print is weaker than the one that, that Wilson used. Mm-hmm. And Wilson, could, Wilson also
2: did treat the plastics after they were printed in order yeah. to make them stronger.
0: So you could potentially end up with a, a device that could explode in your hand and cause you huge amounts of damage, if not even uh, kill you right out you know, outright. In fact, he said that it's far more likely someone will be injured by a failing weapon before anyone is ever deliberately shot by right. one. So uh, that that was his big concern was not only is it something that could potentially, you know, one person could potentially use to kill someone else. It's something that someone who's just curious about it could end up severely injuring themselves because the materials they're using just can't hold up to the pressures.
2: And even even unit to unit, um, uh, you know, and anything that you've printed like that could be misaligned, uh, uh, you know, on a relatively small scale that you might not be able to see from the outside of the. Right. Yeah.
0: If you if your printer does not have the same level of precision, then that could also be a problem. Mm-hmm. Things could not be things might not be in the right alignment. because Or if,
2: or if just something glorps into the wrong place, that's you yeah. know, that that can be that can be a,
0: is an issue. But <laughs> There's also the problem that there could be uh nylon plastic powder within the barrel itself, which can be sure. flammable and could actually cause an explosion in your hand. Uh, because, you know, you're talking about this intense heat and pressure. In fact, let's talk about that for a second. Sure. Uh, according to the Guardian, the pressure inside a gun typically reaches about a thousand atmospheres and temperatures exceed 200 degrees Celsius when you fire off a gun. So the gun, uh, the bullets flying out because of the expanding gas that is created when the primer ignites and gets the propellant going. Right. So this expanding gas is what pushes that bullet out. According, again, according to the Guardian, about 32% of that energy from the expanded gas transfers to the bullet. Another 30% of that energy transfers to the barrel in the form of heat. And heat tends to weaken plastic. Sure. So if you aren't using heat uh, treated plastic or you're using a weaker kind of plastic, that might be enough for that gun to shatter in your hands or otherwise fail in a way that could cause you some pretty Damage, serious yeah. injury. And, uh, Philip Boyce, who is an expert with Forensic Scientific, he's the one who said that with a really good plastic gun, you might get off as many as 10 to 20 shots before it failed. So, uh, beyond that, these guns aren't necessarily that accurate. You know, if it's a smooth barrel gun, uh, it's not necessarily going to guide the bullet in any way that's
2: Reliable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it,
0: it'd be one of those things where, you know, the closer you are, obviously, uh, are to whatever the target is that you're aiming at, the more likely you'll hit it. But, but, but you might
2: wind up just being a, a you know, a, a stormtrooper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lots of pew pew, very little actual. Little, and, yeah. and when you've only got, you know, up to 10 bullets, that's not.
0: Yeah. So, so this has prompted many, uh, politicians and, uh, law enforcement officials to, Come out, uh, and, uh, criticize this whole idea of 3D printed guns. It's not a big surprise. Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier that the printer that, uh, Wilson used was purchased, the, the Stratasys Dimension SST 3D printer. Uh, they actually were using a leased one originally. From the company. Yeah, they leased it from Stratasys, but,
2: uh. As of October 2012, uh, Stratasys figured out what they were doing and seized their property back and yeah. said no thanks. Yeah,
0: and Don't you might say, that. and you might say, why would a why do they care? Uh, they care because three D printer companies, the companies that are designing these things for consumers. Uh, they don't want the government to come in and start regulating and legislating the the stuff they make because that's going to affect their business.
2: Absolutely. So it could get really expensive. It could get to be a huge um, just licensing issue.
0: Right. Uh, you guys might not be aware of this, but uh, 3D or, or not 3D scanners, but color scanners, color scanners have uh, have technology built into them that will prevent them from doing things like copying and reproducing currency. Uh,
2: It's a form of DRM.
0: Yeah. It's really, yeah. It really kind of is. It's, it's this idea of, of protecting it so that, you know, counterfeiters can't just sit there at home and scan and print money. Because once scanners got to be that specific, that became an issue. So you build that into the device itself where it will not, uh, copy and print Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. The same sort of thing may be true with 3D printers. You know, politicians might say you have to find a way to prevent people from printing this particular type of piece. And then suddenly they have to implement that. That drives up production costs for the 3D printer side. It drives up the consumer costs for 3D printers. It hurts Mm -hmm. the whole industry. Uh that's, That's the viewpoint of the manufacturers and why they would not be so keen on having their own materials made to build something like a gun. Right. Lauren and I have more to say about printing a gun in just a moment. But first, let's take another quick break to thank our sponsors. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So you had the concern from the companies there. As far as the politicians and law enforcement goes, law enforcement in the UK, the Metropolitan Police pointed out that making or owning a gun like this would be illegal unless you were a registered firearms dealer with the proper credentials and quote unquote authorities. Uh, otherwise, it would you know, just owning a gun like this in the UK would be considered illegal. Um, if you used it in, a, in any way, then that would get you a pretty stiff penalty. Uh, in the United States, there were senators from California, uh, senators and Congresspeople, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, and council members in one case uh, from California, Washington D.C., and New York, who have all expressed concern about three D printing gun- printed guns and uh, talked about. Getting, coming up with legislation that can prevent it.
2: Helping, helping to revamp that undetectable firearms act that we were talking about yeah. earlier.
0: This makes it complicated because there's really only so much that you can do from a legal perspective. Like, how do you, how do you prevent something? The cat's already out of the bag. Right. You know, a hundred thousand people have downloaded this as of today, uh, when we're recording this. So it's, you know, it's kind of hard to say, let's stop this from happening now. It's, we all know that once something's on the internet, that's it's, it. it's forever. It's, it's the Internet there. is forever. Yeah. So
2: I, I did want to mention that on the private side, other, there were other roadblocks to the actual creation of this thing. Uh, uh, Wilson had his uh, crowdfunding campaign campaign through Indiegogo shut down um, in August of 2012. Yeah. Um, also, two workshop spaces that he had been using denied him access after learning what he was up to. Yep. And furthermore, uh, he, he originally had some of these files up on um, Thingverse by MakerBot. And MakerBot. Took it down. Took it down. Yeah. Yeah. The
0: 3D printing community in general is reacting to this in very much the same sort of way, saying that, you know, now you're bringing unwanted attention to our, our, our industry or our hobby. Uh, you know, they've always said that it was going to be a disruptive kind of technology, but they never thought of it in the terms of, or they didn't frame it in the terms of disruptive Being potentially violent. Right. Which is not what Wilson is saying, although he also really deflects any kind of criticism that even wanders toward the violence question Mm -hmm. uh, to the point where uh, there are times where I was reading some of his responses where I'm thinking, like, this guy took notes in the second Matrix movie and said, How can I talk more like the architect?
2: Oh, dear. Where
0: I say a lot but don't really say anything Hmm. or at least don't answer any questions. I think that's fair. I you know, I I've read it's
2: it's, it's harsh it's harsh criticism, but but yeah, we've uh, I the two of us both have probably read a lot of things that uh that Wilson said. well, not only
0: that what he said, but what he wouldn't say. Like if anyone confronted him directly with uh questions about, well, what about folks who uh, you know, like convicts. Are you saying that convicts should have access to weapons? And instead of answering that question, he would deflect it into something else. Into and, something more philosophical. So he, he, uh, he just refuses to answer those sort of things. Um, so and he may very well have coherent and, uh, and, and uh, a good, strong argument for that sort of case, but he's not presenting it. So, not I as of this,
2: not as of this, uh, this not podcast, the recording of this right? podcast, right? Yeah. By,
0: maybe, maybe by this afternoon he said something that completely addresses my concerns. But, uh, he's described himself as a crypto anarchist, which that already should kind of, uh, raise, al- uh, uh, alarm flags for certain people. Uh, anarchy is a tough position to, Really defend, I think
2: (laughs) it it is, and and this is getting into into a personal um, philosophy, personal philosophy here, and uh, and and Jonathan and I are are a a little bit more touchy feely about society. Yeah, we're we're,
0: okay. So the way I view it is that he he's taken a a particular stance where uh, he's really put a lot of value on the individual, which I I don't disagree with. I think you know individuality is very important. Individual freedoms are very important. And of course there's you know all the different arguments you can make about how if you trade liberty for security, then you don't really have either. I, I've heard all these arguments before. Um but uh you know there he he seems very dismissive of the idea of governments in general. Mm-hmm. So essentially saying that The system is broken, and not only is it broken, but it cannot be fixed. Right. That uh, at this point, the government system is completely beholden to special interests and, and corporations. It does not truly represent people. It's doing more harm than good. It's getting more and more intrusive in our daily lives.
2: Uh, and, so, and and that there, there's no way to fe- fix it, and that therefore it must be destroyed from the inside.
0: <laughs> yeah, or at least at least ignored.
2: It, right, right. It, it, really, he doesn't at least so much stepped outside of and yeah. said. Mm.
0: Yeah, he, he's he's not necessarily condoning that we all rise up against our tyrannical overlords. Not but necessarily. More like let's just not pay attention to them anymore. Yeah, <laughs> Which, yeah. Uh, there's there,
2: there's a quote on the website of Defense Distributed where it says, um, "How do governments behave if they must one day operate on the assumption? that any and every citizen has near-instant access to a firearm through the Internet. Let's find out.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, here, here's, here's my view. The 3D printing of guns was something that was going to happen. It was bound to happen uh, sooner or later. It just happened to happen in 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is going to have to be a reaction to that. Like, what's the right way of handling this? The cavalier attitude of Cody Wilson seems specifically geared to get a rise out of people.
2: Absolutely. And and you know like and he's and he's so intelligent and he, and he quotes these these really great philosophers when he's talking about all of these the uh, you know he, t- he talks about Foucault and how liberty is under siege from the vast machine of the ruling class control and and about you know Milton and how in order to be truly good you must be presented with the freedom to be evil. Um,
0: right. Yeah, we're getting into some clockwork orange type stuff at this point.
2: And it's and it's that kind of thing that, you know, is is intellectually delightful to discuss. But but when um, when
0: you get into practical matters, uh, some problems rise up. Right. Right. So if we lived in a storybook world where governments were the evil stepmother and we're all the perky little protagonist who. Uh, the, who the, the, who's, the poor orphan who who's, is, who's mm-hmm. pure of heart and has the best of intentions. That's one thing, right? That's Of course, you want the protagonist to win. But reality is way more murky. I wouldn't go so far as to say government is inherently evil, nor would I go so far as to say individuals are inherently good. There's so much shade of gray on all sides on of this. On both sides,
2: yeah. And it's, it's really people that make up a government. Some people are good. Some people are not so good. and right. uh, And that's true within the population or within the ruling class.
0: And some systems, maybe they are... Uh, maybe they favor the people who are not so good over the ones that are good. And that just means to me that you have to fix the system. Uh, now to Wilson, it seems to mean you should abandon the system altogether. I just don't understand what replaces it. Uh, and one of his quotes was, it seemed very tongue in cheek to me, but it was, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he was essentially saying that he was, he would imagine a future where, uh, the, the individual citizen is making everything that they need using things like 3D printers and meanwhile government funded drones are flying overhead searching out all the uh, dissidents and that uh, he he's eager to see this future come to pass and i'm thinking i don't want to live in the road warrior world i i look really bad in spiky shoulder pads i don't i i don't want to go to barter town master blaster scares me so anyway uh but that's that's kind of like his his philosophy and um you know i I'm not going to go any further about what my own personal philosophy is. I think it's fairly clear already from what i've said, but uh, i definitely I definitely find it troubling, but I mean now it 's a fact of life, so now we do have to deal with it, and we were going to have to deal with it sometime or other so uh, it's not like I, I'm not going to get too angry at Wilson for doing this because someone was going to. Right. Um, the way he's done it is a little more snarky than I would have cared for. But, you know, that's that's life. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this how this plays out, whether or not uh, it ends up even being a big deal. It's completely possible that this ends up being far more fuss than what it. It's worth
2: right, especially for another few years. You know, before before people have. I mean, you know, right now this kind of technology costs about ten grand right. to get access to.
0: Well, it's way easier to go ahead and get a, a gun, even illegally, Absolutely. for less money.
2: Yeah, yeah. Or I'm or, um, you know like hypothetically, you could make one yourself for under ten grand. If I oh mean, sure, I mean that's you know it, it's a lot of uh, knowledge that you have to bend to that to, to you know you know file all the metal and do all the everything. You yeah,
0: had to machine machine the parts and right everything. Yeah. yeah,
2: but um. But I mean, but yeah. they, you know, people have been making their own firearms for what, four hundred years? Yeah, and so. it's,
0: and it's even legal to make your own firearms under very specific criteria mm-hmm. uh, in several countries, including the United States. But uh, so really, when you when you look at, it at that level, it's not like um, it's not like this is the most unheard of thing in the world. It's new. Which is part of why it's a little uh, uh and it's digi- disconcerting. It's
2: digital, which which a lot of people get kind of titchy about.
0: Right. Same sort of thing that, you know, the music industry, movie industry, television industry, they all got worried because it meant that you could distribute something on a much wider scale than before.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh yeah, we're not quite to the point where everyone's gonna be printing out their own guns, especially with ones that are going to be reliable and not just blow up in yeah, reliable the reliable enough to
2: it. yeah, to actually want to use. Right.
0: And that wraps up this classic episode of Tech Stuff. If you have suggestions for future Tech Stuff topics, please reach out to suggest them to me or else I won't know about it. You can reach out on Twitter or on Facebook. I use the same handle at both. It's Tech Stuff HSW. And I'll talk to you again really soon.